from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's Tiny House Podcast. This is the On the Road edition. I'm Perry. I'm Michelle. And this is Mark. And today we have, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name, Eric Bond? Bone. Bone. Damn it. Oh. It was 50-50. I suck. Yeah, your email is, I think your email is, is something along those lines, right? I know. Right? It was, yeah. I want to say Boneyard Studios, but that's not it. It's Digabone. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so welcome, Eric. Or I guess we should say welcome to us, because we yeah. have Eric. Welcome to house. us in your home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Yeah, so we're in the, we are recording from the Firebird, which is located in northeast Portland. Portland. I just want to make sure the cardinal directions are correct. Uh, in the front yard of Eric Bone's um, property, where he builds, how many tiny houses have you built? Uh, just this one and Skyline. Okay, so two really cool Tiny houses that both Mark and I have seen before and have fallen in love with, at least the first one. We're just seeing this one today, and it's it's a rem- remarkable piece of work. Why don't you tell us the story of how you built this? Um, well, that's a, that's a big story. We got an hour. <laughs> we got a lot of time. We got some time. <laughs> um, well, it started out as a... Um, I was approached by a family that wanted a tiny house after seeing the skyline, and I had a lot of people interested in, in having me build after I built Skyline, and it's tiny houses aren't really something that I I do as a profession. It's just um, I built that one specifically for the Caravan Hotel, and um, I was approached, and uh, I I went as far as getting a trailer for that particular build, but then that that sort of fell apart just. The way a lot of tiny house builds, just do, the deal. I think. Yeah, the deal no, the whole trailer fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just fell to the ground. <laughs> which, which was fine because it it got me this trailer. What was really unique was um, I had seen this trailer parked about five blocks from my house. It was on a sort of a busy road, and I drove by it a bunch of times after I built Skyline. And I hadn't thought about building another one, but um, I saw this trailer. It was. It looked like something you would transport a lion in. It was a it was a deck. It was a trailer deck, and it had a cage built on the top of it. Mm. And, uh, and I drove by it again and again. And I'd be with my kids, and we started calling it the cage. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, there's that cage. You know, that'd be a cool tiny house." And uh, just a steel frame on a 17 foot bed, basically. And so once I was you know, taking this situation seriously enough to want to go out and get a trailer, I immediately went and knocked on this person's door and said, hey, what's up with this trailer? I got to know. And uh, they said, well, you know, it was, a, it was a concession trailer that had a fire in it, and someone had built a steel-framed structure on a um, 17-foot trailer bed that was actually used for transporting uh, mobile homes, which is a lower trailer deck and a different axle than your typical flatbed trailer. And, um, and uh, he had picked it up after it had a fire and stripped all the burned material off of it, and it was basically the way it sat in front of his yard. And uh, I asked him if he wanted to sell it, and he's like, well, I was going to make it into a camper or something. I'm not really ready to sell it. 
So I just sort of let it go, but I kept driving by it all the time. I drive by it. And one day I drove by and it had one of those green stickers on it that said the, the, the city puts on it when... Oh, yeah. Abandoned vehicles. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I knocked on the door again. <laughs> I said, all right. A little bit ready? more motivated. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so at that point, they were ready to sell it. Huh. So I got it for a thousand bucks and, uh, and I brought it here and it's been parked here ever since. And um, and I was working with this family to try and come up with a design for it, and uh, and it turns out that it wasn't going to be the right fit client wise. And, and it was and a family with kids too. It was right? a family yeah. with kids, yeah. yeah. And and it was once I started working on it, I realized the the potential of the place was going to sort of out out um, it's going to be bigger than their budget. Right. And uh, and so I just started working on it for myself and just throw in materials that I had added and um, because it was steel um, which is something I'm comfortable working with I just uh, was able to you know it opened up a lot more possibilities building wise and so the first thing I did was cut the roof off and lift it up to the maximum height mm -hmm. and um, and then figure out you know kind of how to start using the space so that's sort of how it came, it came to be mm -hmm. and um, and why it's such a, uh, a unique shape size why it feels so spacious and how i was able to do what i was what i did with it is because of what it was originally it was somebody had taken it somebody did a really good job of framing it out with all the steel and some of the steel still remains like right. that was the original shelf that was right below the roof of course you can't see it on the radio okay. but <laughs> we're gonna have pictures online for yeah. the listeners but, uh, to see it not much you can't see much of the original steel structure but i was able to weld to it and, um, you know, I had to cut all the windows and cut all the doors and the framing. Everything was made a lot more challenging in some ways. But you're able to do things with this um, inch and a half by inch and a half tube steel construction that you just can't do with wood. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that was sort of the journey for this particular. Why not? And so you, did you leave the cage? Like you, you said that some of the existing, how much of the original cage is actually left underneath the framing here? Well, the walls, the walls are the original cage. This was part of it. Um, you can't see it on the radio, of course, but this, <laughs> just this shelf system, which kind of worked out to be the perfect, um, the perfect height for the loft. And so I just continued that outward and made the loft um, sort of an extension of what they had already built for an overhead sh little shelf area. So why don't you just, just in 30 seconds, describe what we're in? I mean, like, because not many tiny houses that I'm aware of have a, basically an entire second floor. So, so describe real quickly what the layout of this place is. And then people can look on the show notes and see the pictures. Okay. Well, the idea is sort of an extension of what um, I did with Skyline. Skyline has a, um, the first tiny house. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to, to kind of reinvent the whole loft idea. Because <laughs> I didn't want to create a situation where there would be any crawling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or any awkward climbing. And so what I did with Skyline was I created a lower sleeping loft that was basically on the floor on a little platform, and then a short metal staircase, um, same kind of staircase that I used here, and, uh, which is basically a recycled industrial staircase, and then, um, and then a, a lower loft, which allows you to walk up very comfortably and walk into what is like a raised living room. And so what I wanted to do with this one was to create something that allowed a person to be able to use the loft area in a way that 
is um, allows you to walk full height and create a full second story access or like a mid story access. And um, I had a lot of great conversations with my family, with uh, my wife Roxanne, and um, and we kind of came up with this sort of idea and moved things up and down. There's a lot of sort of balancing things on ladders to try and get the ideal height. And so what what I was able to create was basically a a, a lower story with a, a kitchen, full kitchen, pretty large kitchen actually, uh, full bathroom, and then a um, a lofted mid-story catwalk essentially that allows you to walk up, turn around, and access the entirety of the loft area, giving you a full two-story walkable um, area. And standing, then standing upright for the listeners, you're standing, not bending over at all. No bending yeah. over, no crawling. You, you, once you get into the loft, you still have a pretty good height above mm-hmm. you uh, because of the height of the the lower the the lower deck of the original trailer um, gives you more headspace and more you know more space from the very very bottom to the very very top to work with, and so it gives you kind of a bigger loft. And all the steel material makes for a very very discreet loft, which every inch counts in a in a tiny house. So right. it really feels big. And then I with the steel I was able to weld a four foot. Uh, mid-level living room that sinks that's actually sits lower than the the loft area uh, because it's cantilevered over the tongue so that is a, extended out past the actual deck and moves past the um, bathroom and so it allows you to have it's a little bit shorter it's about five and a half feet in there but it still allows a person to be able to walk in to the area where the couch and the TV and the desk and that area is what, what we call the living room and then uh, welded a little 28-inch extension off the back to create a counter space for the kitchen so that the kitchen, the main kitchen counter, is, is not a part of the living space. It's just the counter that goes back, which is pretty efficient and makes for a lot of space. So we can all sit here together and still have access to the kitchen. What's interesting about this tiny house, too, is it feels like there's four separate areas people can be in, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're not really visibly connected to the other areas. Correct. As opposed to a lot of tiny houses when you're in it, it it's everything yeah, other than maybe everything. a, you know, toilet door. That's exactly <laughs> what the goal was yeah. to yeah. create a and and what the goal was with this is to create a a living tiny house. Skyline <clears throat> was a hotel tiny house and mm-hmm. so that was specifically built with that. Not much emphasis on a kitchen or you know, a sort of unpack and stay mm-hmm. kind of kind of environment, but this I wanted to make four separate spaces that are the essential spaces of an actual house, a bathroom, a kitchen, a living room, and a bedroom, all independent of each other, but in a tiny space. Cool. Speaking of the bathroom, um, I was I was looking in your shower, and you had also mentioned something really unique, um, is you've integrated the sink functionality, you know, the bathroom sink functionality, into like inside the shower itself there's a separate little faucet there um, that's always one of the sort of controversies as to whether or not you need two sinks in a tiny house mm. one for the bathroom and one for the kitchen so that was a really ingenious way of you thought of that all on your own like where where did you get your ideas from where do you get your inspiration from um i mean just basic functionality i mean i'm a designer i build all kinds of things for all kinds of people commercial and residential work i'm 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 comfortable with wood, metal, lots of materials, and so 
if I see an issue that I think could be improved upon, um, I'll just think my way out of it. And that's a pretty easy solution for um, to create an extra little, basically hand-washing area. You want to go to the bathroom, you want to be able to wash your hands without having to walk all the way over to your kitchen. Um, and it's a really easy thing to do to just add a little extra bit of plumbing and a valve that allows you to use it as a shower, so the water, direct the shower up to a shower head, or hit a valve and have just a little faucet right there that allows you to have water at your hand's height, you know, to use as just some hand washing, toothbrushing, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, it's a pretty simple concept that was easy to implement. And plus, because of the depth of the walls is, is the only inch and a half, I wasn't able to put the plumbing and the electrical utilities in the wall. I was wondering. Mm -hmm. And so, and it actually worked pretty well because mm -hmm. it allowed um, for a lot of flexibility and a lot of sort of afterthought mm -hmm. flexibility mm -hmm. in yeah. setting up the electrical and the yeah. plumbing because something like, it's all exposed. Yeah. Everything's right. in conduit, uh, plumbing is exposed. <laughs> and so ideas that come up like that, it's like, hey, since the plumbing is right here, it's exposed. Let's put a little faucet here. It's yeah. real easy. So right. it was one of those things that um, it kind of benefited to have to be forced, sorry, mm -hmm. to be forced to have the electrical and the, and the plumbing exposed allows for a lot more flexibility. So the 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 uh, skyline and the the Thunderbird, the, the tiny house were Firebird. in Firebird. Firebird, sorry. They 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 they're represent. Enemies. I know. <laughs> they're, they say they're enemies. Yeah, we got the Thunderbird out there on the tree, <laughs> watching. Always, know, right? always watching. They um, they both have this sense of being in a rustic cabin. Mm -hmm. We were talking. The last episode that we recorded is not on the air yet. Was with uh, Abel Zimmerman. You're familiar with Zilbardos and mm -hmm. his work. Okay. No. His work is um, really artistically refined and super beautiful. And your your look is is equally as beautiful, but it's more of a rustic kind of. Uh, let's throw this thing together and see how beautiful it can be in this rustic nature. Where do you get that that stylistic? I mean, I've been doing that all my life. I grew up with a in a family of people, craftspeople. Um, I spent a lot of time when I was a kid with my grandfather. Every summer until I was sixteen, I was his helper, his worker, and he was a crafty guy that used a lot of recycled materials. Um, as a person in growing up in the Depression era, he just you know had a lot of materials and used a lot of materials. And so growing up and working with him got me in the mindset of just using parts and pieces. And I was sort of I was allowed as, as a very young person to be creative with a lot of different kinds of materials. And so I've always had that. I've, I've um, remodeled a few houses, and they all sort of had that element of. I don't want to say hodgepodge, but like using things that are around me, what I have access to, and making the best use for them, trying mm -hmm. to find some um, way to make them fit in a in a useful way. And it's surprisingly like you can use materials that you probably wouldn't think that you'd be able to use with a little bit of alteration, and that's something I'm also very comfortable with. Is is Cutting, welding, wood, metal, all that I can put it all together, and uh, and make it work in a in a in a good, creative, balanced, nice looking way. So. And does the um, <clears throat> I mean, in my mind, the logical conclusion of all that is that it's cheaper to make a tiny house than it would be if you were making it from That's regular materials. You mean out of, out of salvage material. Yeah, out of yeah. salvage versus 
Do you have a budget? Do you did you have a budget or where did you uh, end up um, coming in price wise or cost wise on this design? You know, because it's it's been sort of integrated into all the other work that I do. <laughs> right. I don't. I didn't really keep a budget, um, but I can say that I, you know, to to what Perry said, the to assume that. The, it's cheaper to use recycled materials isn't always the case, especially if you don't have the the um, the knowledge or the tools to work with those things. Right. The materials themselves are cheaper, but the process to work with them is not cheaper. Got it. Um, but I like the effect, and I like what it what it means. I mm -hmm. like the bigger picture of using recycled materials because I just feel better, and I find that the materials are better, you know, right. than going to Home Depot. No offense to Home Depot. That's what I'm saying. They're not now. <laughs> um, no offense to Home Depot, but I, I like old wood, and uh, I like I like the character that you get and the integrity mm -hmm. that you get with older materials and the the sort of worn-in nature of it when you know it's had a productive life and it still has its integrity. There's something about that that really speaks to me, and I think it comes out in in a lot of my work because I use the, the materials a lot. I also own a, a store called Metalwood Salvage. Big plug there. What's the <laughs> website? Uh, Metalwoodsalvage.com, okay. 4311 Northeast Prescott. But we get a lot of, um, <laughs> we get, t in fact, most of the stuff that you see here, all the metal stuff that you see, the countertop, stainless sink, the stainless countertop, the microwave, the, the uh, propane stove, uh, the staircase, the, the, the if you notice in the bathroom, the shower is actually a folded road sign. Um, oh, wow. And so all those things just come flooding in. I mean, there's an abundance of, of materials, especially if you're if you're using metal in any way. We get a lot of wood stuff, too, so right. like the flooring. And this, this table is beautiful. beautiful. Walnut uh, live-edge table that we got. That's a Metalwood Salvage. Metalwood Salvage. Back on. <laughs> And uh, I, I wanted to ask you if you have any suggestions um, for other people that want to utilize reclaimed products and parts into their into their builds. Where would you recommend that they go? What kinds of? That's a softball. Question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Metalwood Salvage. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we okay. just get this stuff. I think that was the sponsor this okay. week. <laughs> Metalwoodsalvage.com. Let me rephrase. Um, wait a minute. Wait before you go out there. Do you ship? Do you ship um, material to sure. people? Well, I mean, it's probably not that affordable right. to. I mean, if you're if you're getting salvage materials, and you're you're going to be a budget conscious build, you're probably not going to have materials shipped to you unless there's something fascinating, which we have at Metalwood Salvage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but mostly, I mean, and to answer your question, I, um, if you're if you if you're planning on doing a build, a tiny house build, and you want to integrate salvage materials, uh, they're around you all the time. They're free a lot of times. A lot of people are giving things away. People are tearing houses down all the mm -hmm. time, especially if you live in a in an urban area. Um, there's tons of materials. Even if you live in a rural area, there's tons of materials, barns, and um, so what a person should do is just start collecting materials. Be a hoarder for six months and just grab everything that you can get because um, you will save a lot of materials and it gives a lot of personality to your to your build. So, so how would a normal, not normal, how would an average person <laughs> who's just starting out on their tiny house build actually go out and get the thing? Do you just go into the field, oh, there's a barn, walk into the barn and just take the thing? Or walk <laughs> us through the mechanics of what a person should be mindful of. 
Um, I mean, I like. I presume you have to ask permission. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. good like, idea. I mean, Craigslist <laughs> is a great source for that. If okay. you're looking on the free pile or the free listings on Craigslist, a lot of times people have, um, you know, they're it's out on the curb all the time, especially in, in a you know city like Portland where people put things out on the curb. They just all want time to get old heavy Craigslist. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. for Skyline, for example. I saw I was looking for some interior cladding for, for Skyline, something different. And uh, middle of the night, I just popped onto Craigslist and I saw somebody giving away a huge pile of cedar fencing that <laughs> had never been installed, that they had just stored. Huh. Um, this I'm talking about Skyline. Not, oh, sorry. Not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barry's looking around, looking around like, I don't see anything. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a fence on the <laughs> And so it was having to be close enough to my house. I ran out in the middle of the night, and I got this huge pile of cedar fencing, really thick, um, that had never been installed. It was probably 20 years old. Wow. And um, <laughs> came back and just put it under a tarp. It sat there for I don't know how long before I finally had a chance to actually put it up. But that's the interior, and it's beautiful that's cedar. Gorgeous, yeah. and, um, and it didn't cost me a penny. Huh. And um, for since we were looking at the cladding in here, the, a lot of the wood material... From here, the the ceiling material, this uh, wainscoting that I have here and on the ceiling above, that came from a house that was going to be uh, demoed in Gresham, an old farmhouse that was sort of mm. in the path of development uh, in the suburb of Portland. This guy had a ad on Craigslist, come and get materials, and I had to pay a little bit for the actual materials, but I have turn of the century, last century, um, wainscoting, uh, mm. Or, I mean, a shiplap material, yeah. which is just, you can't find this wood. Yeah. I didn't do anything but put polyurethane on there. I didn't really? stain it. I didn't do anything. Mm. It's got so much character, and it's strong wood. Um, and the, the uh, wainscoting is really nice fur, and uh, mm. didn't cost me much. I had to go and, you know, put in the, the, the work to get right. it, uh, but it's totally worth it. And so... Craigslist is a great place for that. Just asking around, seeing what's around, and and if you see a dilapidated, you know, old barn, and you're willing to do what it takes to get the materials, if you have those kind of resources, there's nothing wrong with knocking on someone's door and saying, "Hey, that's your building's falling down. Is you know, are you interested in having somebody remove the materials? I could sure use them for for a project I'm doing." A lot of people would probably go for that just mm -hmm. to have things removed. Cool. So. Thank you for actually mentioning the sort of be a hoarder for six months, you mm -hmm. know, before your build. Because it's really counterintuitive when we build tiny houses. We tend to be also actively involved in the downsizing process. And so it's really counterintuitive to think and stop for a moment and say, yes, I can be a selective hoarder, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to saving money or being creative with my build. So I yeah. think that's a really good point that I wanted to, to point out. Yeah, windows, that's a big, big thing. A big way to save money is by getting your windows. There's so many windows mm -hmm. available brand new mm -hmm. because there's so many canceled orders. Um, anywhere there's construction going on, people misorder the color. And, uh, and mm -hmm. there's a lot, of, um, a lot of brand new windows out there that are just waiting to be picked up for a, a third of the price or less because they were just the wrong color. And so you can save yourself a ton of money if you just go out and buy the windows ahead of time and, and frame around them, frame around the sizes oh, that you idea. that you have versus mm -hmm. um, ordering a window for the right. size that you think you need. Mm -hmm. So when someone misorders a window, they can't send it back to the manufacturer? No. 
Really? You know, the contractor usually eats that um, eats that expense. If they if they wanted white, and then they ordered almond, yeah, then those almond windows just basically up. just go up on yeah. Craigslist for for nothing, and you get a five hundred dollar window for a hundred bucks. Wow! I have I have six six foot slider windows that if I was to go and order them. These are good windows in here, and I, I got them for 75 bucks a piece, and they're about $400 windows. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's a big expense in tiny house building, but even outside of the Craigslist sort of as a source, um, Home Depot and Lowe's and Poor Lumber, mm -hmm. um, any, any large sort of um, supply house for contractors has a pile of windows, but you have to ask for them, right? They're not right. going to advertise, right. mm -hmm. and they're going to be different every time, and they may not have someone right. you call. So that's a really good point about windows, but um, you know, even go to the restore the Habitat for Humanity kind of restore items. Mm -hmm. But in the big box stores, you have to ask for them too. Right. How much like when you have the the kind of I don't know what is this considered like a camper stove or what's the or just a mini? It's like an RV stove. RV it's stove. Older sort of seventies. Yeah, model. but how many things do you do you find the things and then build around them? Like you were saying with the windows, Absolutely, and yeah. it's like. Oh, yeah. this will be perfect for it then. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it, and like I said, at Metalwood Salvage, we have <laughs> so <God>. many. <laughs> His eyebrows go up every time. <laughs> and he's plucking us a five dollar bill. We have. I mean, we, Coffee there's money. there's so many things that come in. Like even now, like I I'm starting to sort of absorb what we have there for the, my next tiny house build. Um, and I'm thinking to myself all the time, like, oh, that would be perfect for a tiny house. This would be perfect because there's so many ma different materials that come in. And and um, if you, it's kind of like, it's kind of like looking at one of those posters. Remember those posters that if you unfocus your eyes, mm -hmm. the oh, yeah. picture comes out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's the way materials are when you're out looking for them. Once you sort of turn your attention to the materials that you need and you sort of, you know, chance favors the prepared mind kind of approach nice. to it. You oh, um write that one down. I'm writing that down and that poster. That's not mine. I think that's in like the Dow Chate team. <laughs> but, what, um, what was it again? Chance favors the prepared Thank mind, you. which Thank basically you. means if you turn your attention to something and you really focus on it, those things come out of the woodwork. They mm -hmm. really just sort of appear around you. That's the Craigslist, you know, hunt. That's, that's your, such a design mindset though too. Exactly. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, you're not always going to use everything that you find. You're not always going to be able to integrate the things that you that you find. But, I mean, more often than not, it, <clears throat> it gives you lots of ideas. Mm -hmm. And and it's if you can you can kind of start collecting these things and have them around you, it just gives you ideas. Mm -hmm. it, it allows you to sort of be flexible and, and be open to different ideas. Do you? I seem to recall you saying with Skyline. <laughs> You know, as gorgeous as that one was as well, that Beautiful. you wouldn't really want to rebuild it again. That you're enough of a designer, you don't. It's not like you want to be banging out dupes of stuff. No. And and in many ways, the way you design, you can't. Right. Right. Do right. this again. You just can't. It's a one of a kind. Can it? In what degree could you try to rebuild this again too? Even if you, even if you did try, just regarding between the frame and the materials that you found for it. Well, I was I was re recently approached by a person who really wants me to build them a tiny house, and we were talking about it. She's going out to get her trailer. So this is, for the first time for me, I am going to try and build something that uses elements of something that I've already built because there's certain part like she really wants this catwalk idea. And so my job now for 
the, the build coming up is going to be to integrate some of the ideas that I was able to incorporate into the Firebird and Skyline into a custom piece for somebody else, which I haven't done before. But I've kind of already put it in my head. So certain things I can reproduce. Like I can, the goal for that one is to do a wood frame because it's a lot easier to deal with wood than it is for steel, especially when you're when you're adding siding and the interior cladding to mm -hmm. steel. It's, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're gonna use a wood frame and then I'm gonna do a steel interior uh, with the catwalk and sort of integrate some of the, the wood and metal, metal wood, and uh, <laughs> to... Um, <laughs> shameless. shameless. Totally shameless. <laughs> but um, but I'll, I'll integrate some of the things that are reproducible, like the catwalk idea. I think that's something that can be done in another tiny house and, and be effective. Mm -hmm. Some It's going to have a totally different look, mm -hmm. a totally different feel, <clears throat> but some of the overall design ideas, I mean, I'm going to have a pocket in the door because that's just, it's smart and reproducible. Mm -hmm. um, the the space underneath the catwalk is totally usable. So that, that may change shape-wise, but the idea will, will Will still be there. So, um, so some things are reproducible. Some things are not. The individual pieces, not reproducible. But the overall concepts are right. things that I can take to other other builds yeah. or people can replicate. As a designer, do you believe in making mistakes? Like, are th are there They're mistakes? mandatory? Okay. So, so <laughs> what's what's one of the mistakes that you made in this build that? Uh, um, it's, it's observable. That's observable? Yeah. I, don't, I don't make observable mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I come up with excuses why they're not mistakes. <laughs> observable or admittable. Yeah, there um, you go. It's not a bug, that's a feature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gosh, that's a good question. I, um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. That's, I don't know what you I would do him. differently. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I would do differently about this particular one. I think... Yeah, I don't know. It just everything sort of works for me, and I've kind of got it in my head that it's it's as good as it can be. Um, a lot of it you don't see because I've corrected it. For example, like the 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 height of this countertop originally was was lower only by like two inches or an inch and a half, mm -hmm. and uh, but it was it bothered me so much that I had to cut all the steel framing out. And lift it up and reweld it again. Wow. wow! So I mean, I just don't let things go. Right on. Um, but you can't weld it. Yeah, I mean, there's I, a reweld there. Yep. And some of it, like, you know, I don't remember exactly specifically what what I had to cut out, but I know I had to cut oh, out okay. a good chunk of it, lift everything up. Um, you know what I would have done differently? I would have got the right gas to weld my stainless sink. You can see how kind of blobby yeah, it is. Yeah, you yeah. you got to use 100% argon when you weld stainless steel, and I, did, I just use a mix. Uh, everybody knows that. <laughs> I <laughs> use a mix. <laughs> so my stainless welds are a little blobby, but, but the effect is that it's, it's really clean. I mean, the effect I got was, was very functional, but just not as pretty as a yeah. nice scalloped weld. Right. But um, it works, so that would be the one thing that I that's very visible, and I can't change it. Right, right. But, uh, but it yeah. works. Yeah, it, it adds to the like Mark said, it's a feature yeah. now. Exactly. Yeah, it's a little art, <laughs> sculptural design <laughs> on my stainless backsplash. Exactly. <laughs> the catwalk is by far my. I mean, it's just brilliant. brilliant. It's just like you're like if you could like 
copyright or you know yeah. protected yeah. in some way. It just really is a brilliant design. Mm -hmm. And for the listeners, um, when you come in, you come in this <clears throat> the door. The door is on the long side. Um, when you come in the door, the first thing you see is the staircase, and and you walk up the staircase. And uh, from from front to back, um, on the back wall, about shoulder height, is is this amazing catwalk. Um, it's just really beautiful. Yeah. And that stripper pole, I mean, who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> and it is a bar, don't forget about yeah, yeah. that bar up there, I really like. Yeah, there's an office and the rolling closet yeah, yeah. scenario. That's just, this is really a brilliant design. And for you, for you old geezers, there's an 8-track tape player as well. <laughs> i got to have an 8-track yeah. player. It um, works. Yeah. I think one of the big things that I, I wanted to do and continue to do in, in all of my work is, is to try and do things differently try to approach things that I see as being problematic and fix them in a way that makes sense. That was one thing that I, that I struggled with the very first time I walked into a tiny house, which I, I did when I saw the ones that were coming in in the caravan. I hadn't even thought about building one yet, and uh, I was approached by the owners to build one. I said, sure, I'll do it, and I walked into a tiny house, and I said, these ladders have got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so that was kind of my, what I ruminated on for a long time was like how to deal with this issue of the ladder. The higher the ladder, the bigger the ladder. Mm -hmm. right. And so the idea was to, well, if you want to, uh, if you shorten the height of your, the, the area you need to get up, you can use a smaller ladder. You can use a more stable ladder. You can use a lighter ladder. And, um, and that's kind of how that evolved. It was just something that I saw as an issue that was fixable if you spent enough time thinking about it. And everything is like that, like, um, you know, having a, a pocket door in your sliding door for your bathroom. It's just it feels cramped in a bathroom that's small like that. But if you expand your door and give yourself some space in your door so when your door is closed, you have extra space. You can put a mirror in there. You can hang your towels in there. You can do all kinds of things with that space. And it's um, it's just kind of one of those things that it's obvious once it's done. Yeah. But you have to spend a lot of time there. thinking about yeah. it and yeah. figuring out, like, okay, how am I going to deal with this? And the fact that the catwalk can go all the way across and the toilet fits underneath it, those are all sort of somewhat situational, um, but also work and I, I believe in having your materials there that's a big part of that hoarding thing it's like when you have a deck like when this was just a deck no walls or anything there was already a toilet sitting there um, and there was already like you know I was started putting parts and pieces together mm -hmm. piling them up on boxes spreading them out trying to get a feel for what things would be before anything was attached and that allows you to experience the place before you build it because in the tiny house every inch counts yeah. and so being able to feel something allows you to connect with it and figure out is this going to work or is this going to be where i bump my head all the time right and so every little space the cat the height of the catwalk was adjusted inch by inch up and down until it found that perfect height where it's like okay this is it it's high enough where i can get everything underneath it it doesn't feel crowded below and it's low enough that i can walk above right and it's wide enough that two people can pass, pass each yeah. other without having to 
you know, twist around or, or get too close. And the, um, you know, and, and some of it just worked out. I mean, the fact that it's open right there allows all the light from the windows mm-hmm. to come down. And, and um, you know, I like the big windows. And so building around that was, you know, was sort of essential. Like starting out with like, okay, we want it to have a lot of light. Mm-hmm. And so the window's going first and we build around the things that are important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a two-part question. Um, so part one is just an invitation to talk a lot about the, or talk about the timeline associated with, from the time that you walked into a tiny house for the first time um, to the time that you actually completed Skyline, what did that timeline look like? And the second part of the question is, tiny house planners and tiny house builders, um, you're right, you can kind of think your way almost out of any problem and find a solution to it if you think enough about it. But on the flip-hand side of that, there's sort of analysis paralysis. Tiny house planners and tiny house builders tend to get stuck for years and years and years trying to figure out every intricate detail before they actually start building. So can you talk about the timeline, and can you talk about sort of at what point do you just decide, you know what, I've got enough to go ahead. I may not have all the answers, but I have enough. Sure. Um, Well, Skyline was was about, took me about, eight months to to do it and that was sort of on the side I don't know if that's the timeline you're talking about mm-hmm. um, and this one took about Firebird took about the same a little bit longer but that's me just kind of throwing attention at it when I have time I like I say I build a lot of things all uh, in all wood metal for a lot of different different things so um, these were both side projects it's not something that I just threw a ton of energy at and got it all done and then something else. Will you always pretty much build that way? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Even the one I'm working on now, I'm very clear with the client that it's, I got to do it my way because it's, it's how I do it. That's relatively short time frame. I think it probably the, the, because you don't have to conquer that learning curve that a lot of us have to Uh, to conquer. And to, to answer your question about, um, you know, the design aspect of it and how that can, you can get caught up in the design I don't design anything ahead of time. I start with a square trailer bed, and I build walls, and then I move things around. I figure out where the door feels like it should be. I don't put anything on paper. Um, Whoa. <laughs> and I, the reason I do that is because... You I can mean, erase things and move them up. <laughs> you can't. I... Uh, because I know in my head what I've built so many different things. I mean, right, I've, right. I've worked in residential commercial construction for years. I've done, I've remodeled houses. I've taken down walls, put them back up. I'm extremely confident knowing that I can build something. And I think that's, that's the big difference between someone who has a lot of experience building with a lot of different materials versus somebody who's trying it for the first time. You've got to see it on paper. You've got to see it in a 3D model if you can get it. Right. Because, <laughs> because I have that in my head only because I've done it so many times yeah. and so many different, you know, in so many different types of materials and so many different ways. I know that if something comes in, I can work with it no matter what it is. And so I'm comfortable just going at it and being like, okay, well, if it doesn't work, I can move it. Mm-hmm. And if it, I can sort of shift it around. And the confidence that you get after you've, you've done this a few times, it's going to shorten your, your design period 
a lot. You yeah. don't have mm-hmm. to think about how it goes in. And that's a, lo- that's a scary thing for people, I think, who are building for the first time. It's like, well, what if it doesn't fit? Or well, what if it and doesn't especially work? if they're putting money into the thing as they go, right. and they don't, know, n- don't have the skills you have. If, if someone welded this and it was too high and they didn't like it, mm-hmm. they're kind of stuck. Right. Or, right. or they have someone else problem. Yeah, if they have someone problem. else doing it. Yeah. I mean, if they, if I make the mistake, I fix it. Yeah. If they're paying somebody to make a mistake yeah. Yeah. because they designed it that way, yeah, they got either got to live with it or pay a lot of money to get it to fix it. So that's the confidence you get in with that comes with experience is is it's huge. It's a big part of how I'm able to just sort of design sort of without the pressure of a of a design of a written design. The design's mm-hmm. in my head. And it evolves yeah. constantly mm-hmm. throughout the project. So, so you have one more coming. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have a client for that. Is do you get like a flood of emails coming in asking for builds, and you just turn them down, or what? I do. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I've had probably twenty different people. I mean, I, I don't even know. I a lot of times. <laughs> did I talk to you? Yes. I just um, and his answer was, "I'm sorry, I'm way too busy." Really? <laughs> Either that, or he knew I would be high maintenance. I'm not sure, so we won't make you answer that question. <laughs> the, I mean, the only reason I honestly, the only reason I'm I'm taking this the this upcoming tiny house seriously is because I'm in a position where um, I can do it. Uh, it's not that I, I wouldn't build for other people. It's mm-hmm. not that I wouldn't take that on as a project. But i got to be in the right place in my own world, work-wise, mm-hmm. life-wise. Um, I'm in the process of buying the building where Metalwood Salvage oh, right. is located. Dot com! And, uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to build it there. I'll have all my tools there. I have a, a 7,000 square foot shop to be able to where all the metalwood stuff will be happening and the, it can be parked right outside. I can use my own. I, I'll have constant materials coming and going and when I find something that works, it's right there. So it's a, I, had, I didn't have that before. If I was going to build something else, it would have to have to happen at my home. I didn't want to build another one at my home. Yeah, right. um, so that's just, I'm at the right place in my own life to be able to take it on. And when I do it, I want to do it the way that I do it. Sure. And I just wasn't able to, to commit to that with everything else I had going on until now. So I can I can picture you like like one of those chess guys in New York that has like five chess games going at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And I picture you like with five tiny houses yeah. like, no, nah, this goes here and that. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. I have the light picture for yeah, the porch that. for house number one. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so we've asked this question to other we've only talked to two other one other builder. And I'm going to ask you the same thing. So, how much does a house like this go for? What, what's your what's your price range for the houses you build? Um, I mean, I've I've only sold one, and I've and this one I, I was trying to kind of put a price tag on it because I get to ask that a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, just basically with the way, uh, with how much work I put into it, and the, the uniqueness of it, and the fact that it's it would cost me it would cost somebody a lot to. to mm-hmm take it from my family at this point because it's, <laughs> right, it's hard right. to get but if I was to if I was to put this on the market say okay we're going to move it I'd probably guess around 70,000 for it and I don't about? really know though I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to know what tiny houses mm-hmm. I mean basically it's like anything else it's worth what someone's willing exactly. to pay for it exactly. but, right. and I don't know that there's I don't know what the market is for tiny houses I was thinking 70, 80 Really? Yeah. 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 Like so it's that. right on, yeah. right on par with what Abel, Abel's making. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What about the the fire or the skyline? 
I can't talk about that number. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only because I it's it involves you know Cole and Dev. Oh, Although I do recall what well, yeah, I remember you said what you'd originally built it for, which was like insanely nothing. But you were putting your time, and that included time and everything else. Yeah, I mean it's hard to quantify the time because a lot of times it was just me. Oh, I got an extra hour. I'm going to do this little project, and it's I have so many other time issues I got to keep track of. That's just not something I can. I can equate it, but they got a great deal. Yeah, right just on. put it that yeah. way. <laughs> but they're friends, you know. I'm yeah, glad exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think our show is done for today. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank one you. other quick thing oh, before you leave. Oh, sure. I, I seem to recall. I think. I think Eric actually has a business that we should probably know. Oh, about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what is that business? That. Sorry, totally we, we try to we try to allow yeah. our guests yeah. to promote yeah. their stuff. We do have another business. Yeah. Go ahead. Enough, it's honest. called Metalwood Salvage, <laughs> located at forty three eleven Northeast Prescott Street, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> my and fair I, city. <laughs> and I also have a, a my contracting business called Alter Areas, and that's awesome. they work cool. together. And what's the uh, website for Alter Areas? Altereas.com. Awesome. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. So thanks for showing up. Uh, being our guest today it was fantastic talking to you. Thanks for coming Thank and visiting you. the Firebird. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. yeah, really cool. Thanks. We'll see you next week, listeners. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon.